0: You're listening to Public Safety First, a podcast to help you learn about the First Responder Network Authority and how you can be part of the future of public safety technology. And now, your host. Welcome to the Public Safety First podcast. I'm Thomas Randall and I serve as a senior public safety advisor with the First Responder Network Authority. I'm joined today by Chad Edgar, a firefighter and a paramedic from Sacred Cross EMS in Denton, Texas. Sacred Cross EMS has been on FirstNet for about a year now I had the pleasure of working with Chad and the team from Sacred Cross EMS at the Texas EMS Conference in Fort Worth several months ago, and we had a great conversation about the positive experiences that their team has had with FirstNet. We're pleased that he could join us today. Welcome to the podcast, Chad. Thank you, Tom. Great. Well, tell us a little bit about yourself, a little bit about Sacred Cross EMS, and and I want you to talk to us a little bit about the unique challenges you all face in North Texas.
1: Okay, my is Chad Edgar. I've been involved in the fire service since um, 1996. I put in a year um, volunteering for Frisco Fire Department and then was hired on full-time with the Fire Mountain Fire Department where I did 22 years of service and recently retired from there. I've been involved with Sacred Cross now which started in April of 2008. The, the owner was um, a friend of mine and I started helping him out with it, and after my retirement, I made the merge over here, and I was already functioning as basically like a part-time clinical manager and doing special events and helping out with wherever I could, and after my retirement, I merged full-time, and I'm the clinical manager, the designated infectious control officer, and I handle all the special events for the company, including the one we're going to talk about here shortly rednecks with paychecks which we've heavily utilized um, first net and their services for
0: great great we well, talked a little bit uh, about charles hankel the owner what do you and charles uh, see as as some challenges that you guys have in rural texas up in the north part of the state
1: so we have two divisions we have our our typical private ambulance transfer division that's out of denton it's pretty much our flagship runs the heaviest portion of our call volume, and we don't have major issues here. We do have some areas that have poor service, and our our radio system is also limited because of that as well. So we fall back on it for that. Our nine one one division is out of Palo Pinto County, um, around the area of Possum Kingdom Lake, and it has multiple areas of poor coverage, well, no coverage, for cell and for radio, and it's been a. A challenge for us out there logistically safety wise all that stuff because our crews can go out there and run calls and be in an area where they need to call for secondary services whether it be the sheriff's department the law enforcement side whether it be calling for air medical assistance to um, air back a patient out to a a trauma center or more capable hospital that gives higher level of care for STEMIs and strokes or if they just need to call for assistance from the fire department for even something as simple as a lift assist. They just need some more manpower to help um, get somebody up or get them moved somewhere where they need to do to help those citizens out. And they have limited areas where they can talk. In addition to that, the way the county is set up with its infrastructure, the roads out there are not conducive (laughs) to responses because pretty much the center of the county is 100% encompassed by a large ranches, farms, and hunting properties and stuff. So if you need to travel north to south or east to west, there's only really one way, and east to west is right through the middle of it, and there's one up top, and then you have I-20 down on the bottom of the county. And then to go north to south, there's only two roads really that, that cover it completely north to south, and you have to go to the far sides of the counties east and west to travel those. So... Depending on where we have calls coming out of, we have to move trucks around so that we can still provide the highest level of coverage for those citizens. And with the infrastructure the way it is, it makes it difficult. And then trying to coordinate it through all the dead cell service areas and dead radio areas, it drastically hampers the operation. And sometimes we get two trucks in one place that don't need to be there because they couldn't communicate and they were both trying to do the, do the right thing.
0: Does the communications infrastructure match like the, what your population base looks like where, where you've got more coverage in the city but, but your, your rural parts of the county are, are, are lacking? Yeah, and I mean predominantly the whole county is rural. The county
1: seat is actually a small town called Palo Pinto, which is a very small town. The only decent sized town they have there is a city called mineral wells which is pretty much um, dead center on the eastern edge of it and the rest of it is i would say 95 percent um, rural very sparsely populated area there's a lot of large ranches and farms and hunting properties and stuff out there so from a radio perspective for our trucks and from a cell perspective it doesn't have the, the priority for Top service. I experienced some of it um, several years back. They had a major wildfire out there. And between all the residents that were still there and all the emergency services that were in there, it completely shut down the entire cellular
0: network. So last year or so, Sacred Cross EMS joined FirstNet. How does the organization use the network as part of your everyday operations?
1: So currently, we're using it primarily and only solely just for the sailor portion of it, um, communicating amongst crews, communicating with dispatch centers and stuff like that. Moving forward, we're looking at expanding it to all phases of it, you know. We're in the process currently right now of purchasing new cardiac monitors that are truly the next generation of cardiac monitors. And That was one of the first questions we asked them because they do have telemedicine capabilities on them. And the first question I asked was, are y'all Band 14? And it took like three or four engineers before they could figure out whether they were or not. And the answer came back, yes, they are. And they could accept the first net. We got tablets that were the Band 14 capable, so we could use those. For our EPCR reporting, we've seen a lot less drops in service and a lot more functionality out of them where our crews could continue documenting and working the runner reports the entire time they're on the call and not depending on having to be back at the station and under Wi-Fi or, you know, better service area in order to get their documentation so we can see more accurate documentation
0: out of it as well. Right. So with Sacred Cross EMS, it's, it's not just a cellular connection or a cell phone. You're looking at your tablets, your devices, and you're looking really at at telemedicine and and trying to expand that in North Texas, also. Correct?
1: Exactly. I mean, it's just the technology is there, and you know it's time to embrace it and quit trying to run from it. We need we need to progress with the technology that's out there and use that so we can truly be patient advocates and do all that we can for our patients. You know, versus the old days where you call in on radio or and as it progressed, you could call in on cell phone to your medical director and get get some orders based on a report. Well, now we, we actually have, if we go with this cardiac monitor, we have a monitor we can pick up and we can do video teleconferencing. And the physician can actually see the patient, can interact with the patient, and get treatments on board that we previously may not have been able to because that physician can have, be more involved in it from the get-go. I I can see where there's a lot of benefit there for a
0: rural uh, agency like yourself being able to do things of that nature, um, especially when you're out in in some of the far reaches of the county.
1: Absolutely. I mean, our our, our 911 division is truly rural EMS. You know, as a standard, they see anywhere from 25 to 40-minute transport times for patients, whether that be critical, non-critical. And when it gets down to it with the critical patients, if a helicopter can't fly, they're looking at anywhere from an hour to hour and a half transport times to trauma centers or more capable, higher levels of care facilities back into Fort Worth. So, you know, we've recently, I've recently went through and updated all of our protocols. And I would say that we probably have some of the most aggressive protocols in the state of Texas based on the need that those guys have out there for their time of treatment and that we need to get them more treatment capabilities in order to deliver the service to those citizens out there that they need because of the length of time that's gonna take to get them to a, to a hospital ER with a physician and all that. And the, I think the telemedicine aspect of it coming up and stuff could dramatically improve that even more because we could expand those capabilities even further with utilizing that tool and basically have
0: that physician in the back of the ambulance with you. That's great. I'm glad you guys are being proactive in, in, in moving things forward for, for your agency and for that region. I want to talk a little bit uh, about the events that you guys have up there. So twice a year, you guys get thousands of uh, folks that come to St. Joe, Texas, to have some off-road fun, out in the mud with their ATVs, their 4 by 4 trucks. Can you tell us about Rednecks with Paychecks event, uh, the role that you guys at, at, at Sacred Cross EMS play, and, and how you all used FirstNet in, in the last event.
1: So we've been doing Rednecks Paychecks since 2011. Like you said, it's, a, it's an off-road event. It's um, what I would call a residency event. It lasts for four days, and during that four-day time period, 24-7, we're providing EMS service out there just like a 911 service would. The biggest difference to it is, is, it, is an, it is an off-road park with mud, bumps, horrible roads, (laughs) all that stuff, and it only gets worse as the participants get out there and start tearing them up even more. So, you know, we have to change up our tactics, and we've steadily changed them over the years to adapt to it so we can provide better service. So when we're on property out there, we, we run four MICU ambulances that are staged at the front of the property because it's not safe or conducive to driving those ambulances out there in that element. And then we have two UTV side-by-sides Kawasaki mules outfitted with a patient transport on the back of them and we call those our rescues which are staffed with two firefighter paramedics that are also trained in rope rescue um, extrication and all that stuff and then our primary medic gets on there with them and they will respond out to where the incidents are mitigate that incident there and then bring them back out to the front of the the park where our ambulances are staged, load them into the ambulance and then go from there. In addition to that, we also have a designated landing zone site on property that we utilize uh, in conjunction with the air medical partner of ours. And during peak hours, or our busiest hours, like if conditions allow for it, they have a helicopter on site that we can utilize because we do get we get quite a bit of good trauma out of there that we see on a pretty regular basis. It has drastically improved over the years. But with that, we have anywhere from 10 to 15,000 people on site, and you still get the medical conditions and all that stuff as well, because we have a population anywhere from 18 up into the 60s. The majority of the people are probably 20s to 30s. But we have seen heart attacks, we've seen strokes, we've seen seizure disorders, we've seen other uh, metabolic conditions out there. Right, so,
0: what, what other public safety agencies are you in communications with during the event, and, and why is the interoperability with them so critical?
1: So, we get calls to three basically, three different ways. We get people that come up to either ourselves, other members of the Rednecks of Paycheck staff, whatnot, and say, Hey, there's been a wreck over here. Hey, somebody's sick over here. We have people that actually will drive all the way to our campsite and tell us. And then we also have people that utilize 911. So the Monte County Sheriff's Office Dispatch Center, over the past about four events, we've become more integrated with them and making it a more streamlined, simpler way of them getting the call to us rather than sending it out through the county. So we talk to them on a regular basis. We coordinate with them. The law enforcement element out there, DPS, state troopers, game warden, but the heaviest portion of it is a, a private security company that we work very well with. And they've been out there for many years and they're, they're all trained with fire, EMS and law enforcement. They assist us with our needs. We assist them as well. And the ability to talk back and forth, get assistance to where you need it is just it's a, it's a have-to in order to serve the population out there and mitigate whatever events may go down. And through a unified command with them and with the Monte County Sheriff's Office, proved responses and capabilities out there dramatically over the years. And I would say we're almost a single functioning unit at this time. And the communications are paramount for it. And with the addition of the first net sat fault that we added out there um, the previous event it be, it made communications night and day because we all have radios that we use and that helps some but sometimes you just a radio is not enough you, you need to make a phone call or send a text or any of that stuff and the ability to do that out there where previously the cell the cell network out there was completely shut down by that many people in that small, dense of an area. It just, there's no way it could keep up. Great, well that that segues into the question I was going to ask uh, about the connection
0: uh, from FirstNet and and how that provides you seamless communications and and did did it show that you were able to decrease your response times uh, based on your FirstNet connectivity? absolutely especially
1: with the calls that we get coming in through the Monte County Sheriff's office there was always a delay there with them getting hold of us being able to relay good information to us which is limited with any dispatch system because you're depending on a layperson and these people out here that's not they're on an area they're not as familiar with as we are and so they don't they don't always know exactly how to tell you where the, where, the, where they're at or know the nicknamed for different areas like we do so it's it's helped dramatically with that and in addition to that the ability for us to communicate with the two local um, hospitals so that we can triage patients through there and not overwhelm one facility and you know disperse out any surges and transports and stuff like that so that when once the patients physically get to the hospital they can get what they need and they're not being set aside because they have too many patients at one facility. We can better disperse patients through communications with the hospital to allow them to function with their jobs and their abilities and still get the patients what they need. So you, you touched on the SAT cult a minute ago. Talk a little bit
0: more about how the FirstNet SAT cult supported the operations of the event compared to your previous year's events.
1: So our first event we got to use it in was last fall, and it was mentioned to us by Tra- traveling Pittner that that's an option that we have if we wanted to look at it to bring out there, and we jumped all over the opportunity, hoping for the best and know what we were going to get out of it. And pretty much from a cellular wireless network and even from the ability to use the internet, we pretty much went from being completely in the dark to having unlimited capabilities. I mean. As the incident commander out there, I was able to utilize my cell phone to contact hospitals, contact crews, contact other agencies, talk to the hospitals, talk to the um, air medical helicopters coming in, going out, all that, talk to the event coordinators out there that that run the event from the Rednecks to paycheck side. And I was able to do it just like I was sitting in my living room at home with my Wi-Fi. Never, I mean, there was no lag time whether I needed to get on the internet and look something up, you know, to get landing zone coordinates or anything, there was no lag time whatsoever. Never had an issue one time getting a cell phone call out. Whereas before we had to do like the commercial walking around the phone in the air saying, can you hear me now? Until we could find a spot that got service. And that was even limited previously. So the, the ability to have that communication tool and, make the contacts and the phone calls and the use of the internet and all that stuff was just amazing it made my job go from difficult and frustrating to very functional and as easy as it could be can can you tell me a little about the level of support that you received from the first responder network authority team leading up to the event and vent itself Absolutely. They said they'd bring it out there and set it up. It had a generator with it. So we made plans that we you know, figured out, okay, well, we're going to fill up the, the fuel on it every day, just like we do with our generators and our equipment that we bring out there. They came out there, the original site that we'd planned for it, but they made a recommendation to move it to a different area that was a better site for it. Every morning from 7.30 to 8 o'clock, the gentleman from FirstNet was there. He checked out all the equipment on the truck. He refilled the generator, came over, asked if there was anything else we needed, if there was any issues with it, everything. Helped us get set up on it from when they brought it out and dropped it off. And then, unfortunately, due to the weather, (laughs) when they went to remove it, it it took a a bulldozer to pull the truck and the generator out of the area where it was at (laughs) due to heavy rain and lots of mud. But... uh, the service was truly first to none. I mean, it was very
0: surprising. Well, sounds to me that uh, it was a success, and I'm, I'm really happy that the FirstNet Authority and an AT&T FirstNet were able to provide you all a secure and reliable connection. So as we close out the podcast, we wanted to ask you if you had any advice for any other EMS departments about joining the network. What, what would you tell them?
1: I told multiple departments about the SAP Colt. I told them, I said, y'all, y'all got to get one of these and, and utilize it. I said, you know, it it makes things so much easier and so much better. It's an emerging technology that everyone needs to embrace, and it can only improve with with the more people that embrace it and utilize it. It becomes more functional, more demand for it, and with the demand comes the improvements.
0: Great. Well, thank you for joining us today, Chad, and and thanks to Charles Hankel and the entire team at Sacred Cross EMS uh, for for working with us on this, and uh, uh, we hope to visit with you all again soon.
1: Thank you all very much. We appreciate y'all's assistance and what y'all brought to us.
0: Thanks for listening today. We're excited to have you join our podcast community. Make sure to subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, and YouTube. You can learn more about the First Responder Network Authority at firstnet.gov and learn about FirstNet products and services at firstnet.com.